Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Is it right to expect a response when you're up on something and talking? It's right. You expect a response. Good morning, everybody. Even if I, even if you see me in the camera, good morning. How are how are you? Don't exclude anybody. Yeah. Um, today's message is the last message in the in the summer of Psalms, and it's been a great series to be next to and a part of. Uh, the Psalms are are wonderful prayers, uh, written for reasons and at specific times, and it's it's great when life can kind of throw things at you to look back through what people even thousands of years ago saw as problems then and our problems now and how they wrote, lamented, and praised uh, concerning those things. Um, throughout this summer also, during our Summer of Psalms, Aaron has been away and has returned, almost returned, uh, and I'm thankful uh, for it. Uh, thankful that God has given every moment of this elongated chain of events to us to handle as individuals, as neighbors, as a community, as a congregation. So thank you, God. Um, before I jump into the, the psalm, I wanted to, to reiterate something that, that Riverwood has taken a, a position on just before things are about to change, shift as the summer is about to leave, and addressing some the civil unrest and discontent that's manifesting itself uh, in the nation, in our own communities. Uh, schools are about to begin. Issues of safety will arise centered around children, and this is likely to, to bristle the backs of many in our communities, even our own friends. And to say that there's a Christian response is vague, but it's accurate. And how can we as individuals who are covered by Christ, who have identified with his death, his burial, and resurrection, how can we show the love that Christ shows us in such divided times? Now, I realize that doctrine does divide, and good doctrine creates good division. But there's a lot of Christian freedoms on the table right now, and these come down mostly to the individual. I encourage each person who hears me speak this to engage in rigorous debate with one another, keeping a civil tone, and having ears wide open to the opposing view out of love for that individual. We have a local church. We have local issues. And we ought to think and pray on them together. If you're suffering or in pain and in, in things that people might not see in you, you have a smiling face and yet a hurting heart, when your world is upside down, I encourage you to reach out to God and ask what he wants to accomplish through this. Thank you, Father, for all the things that we endure. And for your sake, I pray that you are glorified in them. We're going to read Psalm 34. It's a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, uh, who drove him away, and he departed. And there's, there's titles. Sometimes you look in your scripture, there's little titles given to passages that we read. And um, this one is titled, The Happiness of Those Who Trust in God. It's another acrostic psalm. We've had one acrostic psalm, a couple acrostic psalms that we've covered, but it's just the Hebrew alphabet. It goes through letter by letter, and it's, it's probably like, like a mnemonic device or something where you know, they're going to try to remember, use it for study purposes. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. 
O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eye of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hear, his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we pray that praise and worship to you in heaven, and you alone, you who save through your Son, Jesus Christ, that you alone are worthy of praise, and we would direct it at you. Help us, Father, to be properly positioned, directed, focused on you. In joy and in sorrow, happy times and sad times. We want you and your praise to be continually on our lips. Thank you, Father. So Emmerich, Maximus, Tobias, Joanna, and Roman. If you know me, you know that these are the names of my children. And children can see, be uh, such wonderful points of illumination regarding some very difficult truths about God. I absolutely adore my children. I want them to know that, each of them, and for their own unique reasons. Any parent can tell you that their day is probably includes a dozen or so of the following. My day has already included about seven, as I counted this morning. Dad, look, look, watch me. Listen to this. Do you hear me? Are you watching? Did you watch? I'll do it again. Can you hear me? I'll tell you. Do any of the adults in here remember that feeling? The insatiable desire for your parent to watch you, to see what you have done, to hear what you have to say. Or when you were hurt, to tell them about it, to show them your battle scars. That little you desires your attention, your approval, the single look, the single word that gives them license to fail or succeed in full force, known by you and in your sight. Verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Verse 5 says, They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed, like your kids, in their safest moments. Have you thought this morning that your father sees you? He hears you, not your earthly one, the one in heaven. Nothing, no thing occurs in heaven, on earth, anywhere in the universe that is outside of his omniscience, his all-knowing nature. How old was I or were you when we lost this desire to shout, Dad, look, before we did something really spectacular? When did it go? When I'm thinking on this, an image creeps into my mind, though, 
the inversion of, of this thing that's so true and wonderful about disappointed children going unseen, unheard, their innocence crushed in a moment of letdown and disappointment. You see, Satan, he lies about God, warps the narrative over time through our lives and dealing with our experiences. Uh, a person that I, I do enjoy to listen to, um, though I would guard your heart when you do so, the late Christopher Hitchens uh, put it in eloquent terms, God is like a Maoist dictator spying on us, even in the bedroom. And though he understood the reality of God, he perverted this truth as he looks into our lives. And at his core, Hitchens understood, like the vast multitudes here on earth, that God's sight, they think it's an intrusion into a person's secret or personal life. Something that's none of his business. It's my, it's my time. I'm alone with it. But God desires closeness with you. He's not some pagan far-off deity in a shapeless force that requires appeasement through your effort and energy. He is a good father. David's written tone here in Psalm 34 is one of closeness, intimacy, caring. It's purposeful. Pastor Chuck Smith, um, who I listened to in preparation uh, for this, he said, who am I that God would listen to me? My own family doesn't listen to me all the time. It's incredible. God listens to you. A good father. Children come to know the natures of their fathers over time. And through their dealings with him, their experience, yet in an age of rampant fatherlessness and neglect, there is an insight into how a father ought not to act and still it serves as the directional aerial pointing the way of a good one. I want you to settle on that experience part. David's experience when he wrote Psalm 34, or after when he wrote Psalm 34, was anything but good. You can go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 10 through 15, and see that being on the run from his own people, faking crazy to escape another king who he thought might keep him safe, is not a good experience at all. A strange line with strange people and still expelled. This experience causes him to write a prayer. Remember the title, The Happiness of Those Who Trust in God. And if it wasn't the experience of the current situation that caused him to write it, what was it? We have experiences all the time. Some experiences come with routine. One of my own personal favorites is food. I really I look forward to meals. I mean, I don't know if you do. I do. I like it. Verse 8 in Psalm 34 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Like a challenge. He says, try it. He's good. A good food? What was Jesus' food? He had secret food. He told his disciples. Secret food. Righteousness. What if I don't like this food? What if I don't like this experience? It doesn't seem familiar to me or safe. What if I'm in danger in the moment and I don't see a way out? What if my family doesn't approve of this experience, this food? The Lord is good, David exclaims. There are many leanings and references to food and drink type language in scripture regarding the word itself and a righteous life. This is not an accident. God knows you, like really knows you. Hebrews 4 Verse 12 and 13 say, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
what's the what's the word you use when you you have like a set of ideas and you have to put it all in one sentence, like when you're in college? Isn't that a word? What's the word? I'll think of it later. I'll send it off. <laughs> Uh, to me, these concepts are very relatable. They're real to us. Food and drink are daily necessities, daily experiences, and a daily reality rooted in your physical need. Some of the most beautiful truths in Scripture are found in these references. Even my own scriptural experience, my current biggest God-revealed-something-to-me moment was in reading through the Gospel of John and praying for clarity surrounding a verse. It was about food. Something else you can ask me later if you want to hear the whole story. It's a, it's a long one. So we might read this. See that there is an experience and so much truth that can be known and still be afraid that we won't get it. Well, what then? Well, you might be inclined to seek an answer. Um, we don't want to just probe the depths of the internet for answers like so many people do. We're going to end up someplace we should not be. So why not ask another person in a place we ought to be? Verse 4 in Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. We come seeking him, maybe to try to reclaim some of the childhood innocence that we seem to have lost, the newness of life as a little one. We can know that the feeling we are pursuing is one that can be known through God's word. Jesus' language again and again tells us that we are his children with him. So come together, loved ones, worship here. We read again, verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Together, here or there. Let us exalt his name together. Could it be more clear, not alone, together? I emphasize this as a call to worship and not to exclude the people who are joining us online. I want to be really clear about that. It's something that troubled me and Bridget helped me see this morning, last night, talking through this. I don't want to exclude anyone. Uh, my notes say that this psalm is one of the greatest calls to worship in all of Scripture. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 say, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much for the more, as you see the day approaching. That day is approaching, but we know not when. Each moment that passes, Christ's return is closer, and if Scripture is our indicator, we ought to gather together to worship Him, to edify and rebuke one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together. The prayers that we read in Psalms, Psalm 34 for today. But what about fear? Didn't verse 4 just say, I'll be delivered from fear? I came in here afraid. I'd be sitting at home afraid. I want answers. I want to be told that my fears are foolish and stupid, that God will blot them out. I read verse 11, come you children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. But this fear isn't the worldly kind of worrisome anxiousness that we all encounter during our lives. Proverbs chapter, 10, or chapter 9, verses 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We talked earlier about some type of restoration, to be like a child again. And then I read verse 11, and could I say that I'm that child? Is David talking to me? You don't want to read yourself into Old Testament verses, but 
Sort of, yeah. Let us think back on God as a good father. Think on every good and warm, powerful, comforting, fatherly stereotype you can imagine. When I was little, nobody was as strong and capable as my dad. And if you've ever met him, most of the time he lives up. I still think that about him. I think I've used this example before. But I love the line in Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, that Susan is asking Mr. Beaver about Aslan, asking if he's safe. And Mr. Beaver says, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. I genuinely enjoy this portrayal. And thinking on this, a good father, I think about my own children again. Do my children fear me? Yes, they do. As they grow, they hide things from me, deceive me to cover for themselves or for a sibling, break things and don't want to tell me because I possess a type of justice according to the rules in our home. These justices demand consequence. They demand punishment. Doesn't our Father in heaven have a standard as well? He is a good in every sense of the word, and as such, he is just. And the penalty of violating my Father's law is hell. That's your fear. But as it was and will be forever, Christ covers our iniquity, cleanses your unrighteousness, and pays your fine. That is good news. Go and spend some time with your family today, with your father today. Make time to really give to another person, maybe a child in your life, your own children. Your complete, full attention. Watch them. Listen to them. Hear their ramblings. See their failures and successes. See them. Maybe we'll have some insight into how David was so happy in such a terrible place. It had nothing to do with his circumstance, but everything to do with the person of God in Christ who came to save you, working in your life through the Holy Spirit. Your Father in heaven, he sees you. Go and relish in it today. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we long for understanding, for the ability to get it. We, we want to know more. Maybe it's me. But I ask, Father, that you would provide clarity, understanding, discerning wisdom concerning your written word. Help our spirits to probe the depths of your truth and to walk away uplifted with clarity of purpose and understanding of your will moment by moment in our lives. Help us each, Lord, in our own way. Help the suffering. Help them to be next to someone who can understand their plight in some way. If we won't make the time, Father, can I be so bold as to say force the time on us? We're so busy, so misguided. We need you in every moment, of every second, every day. It's not a plan for later. It's an intention for right now. 
Help us, Father. We need you. Amen.